Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com and this Pewter Report podcast. It is the final week, uh, episode of the week on the Pewter Report podcast where we will be wrapping up everything, you know, dotting some I's, crossing some T's for uh, what went on during Buck's mini camp. This week with the final practice today, which was a little bit more of a uh, uh, an easier going practice than uh, the first two days before that. But we'll talk about some press conferences that were had as well, plus some other Bucks news. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me for today's show. Tonight's show, I should say, is Peter Report's own Adam Slavon. Adam, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Matt. Happy to be alongside you this evening and get into the, the final day that was minicamp and also a Bucks signing as well. Yeah, let's get into that signing right now. Uh, the big news of the day, I guess, really was the signing of kicker Rodrigo Blankenship, who uh, was with the team this week on a tryout basis. And I guess the Bucks liked what they saw, and he is now a member of this roster. And will compete for that starting kicker job. And thought it was very interesting because Blankenship, uh, pretty well known around the league going back to his days as a University of Georgia Bulldog. Um, and it feels like with Blankenship more than anything else, kind of injuries derailed him more than just his overall talent. But well, what do you think of it, Adam? Well, first off, respect the specs. Respect the was... specs. <laughs> that was a hashtag going around. Uh, his trademark glasses that has really made him popular. But it's another kicker, another former Colts kicker, uh, joining Chase McLaughlin uh, in the quarterback, or in the quarterback, in the kicker competition. That's a whole other competition. But having Blankenship around, he had experience in 2020. It was his best season with the Colts. Uh, he made 32 of 37 field goals. Pretty efficient. I think that equates to around like 83%. And just another guy with experience. And at this point in the offseason, that's all you're looking for. You're looking to add guys that have experience and a chance to make the roster. It's going to be a very interesting kicking competition and seeing two guys that maybe have some more range than Ryan Suckup did last season. Right. The Bucks are completely changing what they want to do at the kicker position in terms of because there's so much uncertainty with the offense this year, whether it's, you know, the person calling the plays and Dave Canales or who's going to be the quarterback this season. Uh, in the past, settling for, you know, a 45-yard field goal or a 52-yard field goal would kind of be a disappointment for the Bucks, But this year, you kind of got to sign on to get as many points as you possibly can. And as great as Ryan Suckup was, 
extremely accurate from inside 50 and on extra points as well. He just didn't have the leg to kick from further out. Even the Bucks would, you know, trot him out for some of those opportunities. And there were times that it didn't even come close. So it, it's very clear and obvious that uh, with Todd Bowles' direction, the Bucks are going with a change at kicker in terms of philosophy of we got to be able to hit from longer out. And I don't think that's necessarily just Tampa Bay doing this. You see it around the league with the number yeah. of teams that um, – that really have kickers that can kind of kick from anywhere. I mean, they drafted Matt Gay a couple of years ago, and now he's with the, he was with the Rams. I believe he signed with a new team this offseason. But that's just kind of the trend of how the NFL is going. And Blankenship will be competing with Chase McLaughlin, uh, both guys that can hit from very far out. Blankenship brings that kind of swag to the team a little bit, or at least self-confidence, respect the specs, as, as you just said. He also, I don't know if it was an album, but he rapped in college really? too. University. Oh wow! Yeah, he's got a couple <laughs> of uh, he's got a couple of rap songs to his featuring uh, Jake Camarda. Yeah. Uh, so maybe. well, and that's the other part of it is Jake Camarda also went to the University of Georgia, so there's familiarity there. Um, Blankenship played for Georgia from 2016 to 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And Camarda was 2018 to 2021. So these guys overlapped. They were teammates as fellow Bulldogs and obviously have worked together with Camarda being the, the holder on kicks and Blankenship obviously kicking them. So I do think that plays a factor. You know, comfortability and, and working with someone that you already know there's certain ways that guys hold the ball. There's certain ways that kickers like the ball to be held when they when they go and put toe to leather. So I do think that is important. I'm not handing the job to Rodrigo Blankenship right away, but that definitely does, no pun intended, give him a leg up with that familiarity. Definitely. But the real question will be if Baker Mayfield at some point will end up liking him on the team. Yeah. <laughs> because there was that a video going around where he said he didn't like him after what uh, he did when he played for the Bulldogs against the Sooners. So maybe some that, rekindling there and building that relationship. Yeah, but. that was funny. They shook. There's a video of it. They shook hands and he said, "I still don't like you." So uh, yeah, that was a good. Vi that was a good video uh, that made its way around the internet. And <laughs> Baker seems like a guy that holds grudges. That was a great game too, from what I remember, because it was a New yeah, Year's really Day high game. Very back and forth. I believe that was the year that um, Baker won the Heisman. So obviously a ton of hype around him. The other fun little caveat in all of this is that this uh, kicker battle between McLaughlin and Blankenship has happened before when they were teammates on the Colts and Blankenship won that battle there, if I'm not mistaken. Greg Allman yeah. was tweeting about it before. So this is round two. You know, we'll see what adjustments have been made. Blankenship is is coming off a a surgery for torn muscle in his leg that uh, got completed in January. So he's fully healthy. It's definitely not the number one storyline, you know, going uh, into this year's training camp. But you know, kicker has been a sore subject for the Bucks up until Ryan Suckup got there a couple of seasons ago. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if McLaughlin gets a little revenge on Blankenship or if Blankenship can win out again. Yeah, and one statistic that really stood out to me when I was kind of going over both kickers, Chase McLaughlin is 17-21 to 21 in his career from field goals of 50 yards 
And further, just kind of adding to that point when you mentioned the Bucks looking to maybe expand the kicking range. And this yeah. is going to be something that we see next month throughout training camp between both kickers. Kind of similar last year when you had Ryan Suckup and Jose Borgales going against each other. And now it's going to be Blankenship McLaughlin 2.0, round two, and seeing the battle and how that unfolds. But two really experienced kickers that it should make for a pretty interesting competition. It will. And everyone, we will be sure when there is the kicking going on during training camp, we'll tally one for each uh, for each player. We'll see how far they're kicking out from. So we'll be paying a lot of attention to what um, what's going to go on there. But yeah, it should be fun. It, it should be fun. It's interesting, though, because during OTAs, we did see some kicking, not a ton, but we, yeah. we saw a little bit of it. During mandatory minicamp, I don't know if this was by design or, or uh, you know, they got to a lot of different stuff and forgot about it. I doubt that. But we saw no kicking at all whatsoever. The most we saw was like just Bucks, uh, you know, team field goal block where Blankenship and McLaughlin would fake actually kicking. But we didn't actually see them kick the ball through the uprights. At one point today, uh, there was some kicking going on between the Bucks quarterbacks, and yeah. <laughs> even Dave Canales got a punt off. And man, the hang time on that one. But so far, we really haven't seen anything in terms of kicking so far. But it'll definitely be a storyline to monitor just over a month away now, which is pretty exciting. 2023 season's less than 100 days away. Uh, I think the Bucks posted the other day 94 days away in honor of Kalijah Cansey, who also spoke today. Yeah, we did speak to Kalijah Kansi. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But speaking of Dave Canals, who you just talked about, this guy, I feel like could play right now. Like he's oh, just definitely. as energetic, if not more energetic than uh, some of some of the other players out there. And I think that's helpful because when you see the coach in it as much as as the players are, it makes you want to be a better player. It makes you a little more fired up than you typically would on. Uh, you know, a day three of minicamp where it was very cut short. And at times it, it felt like this was a last day of school type of vibes, you know, like the Bucks really only practiced a after stretching and, and all the calisthenics and stuff. I mean, they practiced for what, maybe an hour at best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So like there, there wasn't a ton and we do have the practice report out right now, which uh, you guys can read on pewterreport.com. It's a little bit lighter than the first two days, and that's only because we can kind of go off of what happened in practice. Now, there were a couple of things, Adam, that we did notice, but I think the biggest play, if you want to uh, draw it up for everyone, was a particular touchdown scored by one Devin Tompkins uh, yeah. earlier this morning. And it was something that we got to see up close right after the recording period ended. It was something that you wish you could have got on video and yeah. say, hey, this is like the play of minicamp. But Devin Tompkins in between two defensive backs, Antoine Winfield and Anthony Chesley, going up there and getting it with a 40-inch vertical. And it was really exciting to see him. He's only five foot eight, but he made the biggest play today. And it was a really exciting catch in the red zone, an area the Bucks really focused on today. That was something that Todd Bowles spoke about, just kind of trying to clean it up a little bit. And if that plays the norm, they really cleaned it up today. Yeah, without question, it was 
hands down, an incredible play. I mean, I think that's the best way to describe it. Back of the end zone, it was, let me check my notes. I believe Baker Mayfield was the one throwing yeah. it on, on that play. And again, we're talking about Antoine Winfield Jr., one of the best safeties in the league and the best safety on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So for him to leap up after over him, and I know he's not the tallest guy either, but in between two defenders, making the catch, coming down with it, I just remember not only the play being amazing, but, but after Antoine was sitting, like, not in the fetal position, but his knees were kind of, like, closer together, and he was hugging his knees, and he just kind of shook his head like, you know, hats off to you, man. You just yeah. made um, an exceptional play. And I was excited to see that for a number of reasons. The first being that this wide receiver group, and we know what we're going to get from Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Russell Gage, we've talked about, and we could talk about him more when when training camp gets here and during this you know little off period of the offseason. Because even, even in the offseason, the Bucs are still practicing, but there won't yeah. be uh, practice until middle of July. But... I think this is a huge opportunity for the smaller guys, the the undrafted wide receivers, the guys from last year. This offense run by Dave Canals is way more suited to these guys. The quick, fast, might be smaller, but able to get open in, in quicker space. All these type of receivers, it's going to benefit them so much more than it ever did in Bruce Arians' style of offense. I'm not even knocking Bruce Arians, that, that type of offense. It obviously won them a Super Bowl years ago. But this new look offense caters to them perfectly in the scenario of if the Bucs have injuries at wide receiver, I feel way more comfortable about Devin Tompkins, about Kalen Geiger, them coming in and being serviceable enough where the Bucs can still move the ball down the field and score points. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. And not just a guy like Tompkins. You also brought up Geiger a dark horse receiver that really had an impressive minicamp, David Moore, uh, former yeah. Seattle Seahawk, who not a young guy. Under, <laughs> yeah, not a young guy, but played under Dave Canales, actually had some pretty good numbers, kind of being a reserve wide receiver and three seasons with the team. He had 13 touchdowns, two of the seasons he had over 17 yards a catch. While it might not be the Bruce Arian style offense where they go more vertical and just like send Mike Evans deep and say, hey, go. Yeah, But just being able to have some familiarity with the offense, I think will be huge. And last season you saw Rashad Perryman and Scotty Miller. The Bucs decided to keep veteran wide receivers towards the end of the depth chart. And they might lean that way again this year and kind of stash guys like Cade Warner, Rakeem Jarrett, maybe on the practice squad. But the names that they've brought in, whether undrafted free agents or a veteran like Moore, a lot more upside this year, I feel like, than last year. I don't know if you agree with that, but... I do agree. I just don't want to sing all of their praises because yeah. it is just minicamp. And just because I fall into that trap before, and I do want to see it progress into training camp. So I'm optimistic from what I've seen. I don't want to jump too far into it, though. With David Moore, though, I said a little bit on yesterday's show, I think even if he doesn't make this team, he's going to be a guy, even though he's older, put on that practice squad so he can just help everyone develop further. You mentioned um, Rakeem Jarrett. I thought he's done a really good job, made some great catches, especially the first two days. Cade Warner haven't seen a ton from during yeah. 
these uh, parts of practice. And again, long way to go. So a little underwhelmed with Cade Warner, I think came in with a lot of hype around him for what he did at Kansas State. But someone else that's really been impressing and getting the ball, making some scores, getting out in space, and this quarterback's looking his way is uh, Tay Barber as well, who wears number 17. So don't get confused, Bucks fans, if you see videos from either practice that has already went on or training camp coming up. Russell Gage now wears number three, and Tay Barber wears 17. Um, he's been a guy that that has impressed me a little bit. So we'll, we'll see how far these undrafted free agents progress. But there is a big crop of these younger guys that all have kind of similar traits. I think Jarrett's a little bit on the taller side. Um, not like crazy tall by any means. It's yeah. so funny, too, because um, Mike Evans had his gala last week and Devin Tompkins was there. Yeah, right next to each other. They looked- Right <laughs> next to each other. It was a tough look. Devin Thomas, like these guys play the same position, yeah. Uh, a little bit of a Muggsy Bogues kind of, like, yeah. Throwback. Muggsy Bogues, uh, Minute Bowl, <laughs> in yeah. a sense. Uh, we do have a super chat from LDBC's Most Wanted. Thank you very much, LDBC, for this $4.99 super chat. They say saludos from California. Awesome, shout out to the California IA. A hypothetical question, but if Jason Light wins another Super Bowl and has a couple of more good seasons. Is he Ring of Honor material? Excellent question. If they win another one, I think absolutely. And you have to look at the entire groundwork, and there was a lot of losing beforehand. But the fact that he was was the GM that when, not everyone, but when a lot of people wanted Tom Brady, he was the one that was able to convince Tom Brady to come to Tampa Bay. And part of that was because of the roster that Jason Light built. And a lot of people were like, they're only a quarterback away. And then they got that quarterback. Now, if they win another Super Bowl, let's just say hypothetically, they win a Super Bowl within the next three seasons. When this year in particular, everybody is doubting the box. You know, they have them ranked 31st in the league. They have them under six and a half wins. They're going to be terrible without Tom Brady. If they shut the haters up within the next three years, whether it's Baker or Kyle Trask leading it, whether they find a quarterback in the draft and they end up being the next big thing, if he wins another Super Bowl, he is without question getting oh, yeah. into the Bucks ring of honor. And I think part of that as well is they already put Bruce Arians in. John Gruden was in up until, you know, he obviously said a lot of bad things that took him out of the, uh, the Bucks ring of honor. We've seen Monty Kiffin in there for being a defensive coordinator. Tony Dungy didn't even win a championship with the Bucs, and he's in. And I'm, I'm not knocking Tony Dungy. He eventually got a Super Bowl anyway. But if if you're going to put those type of people in the Bucks ring of honor for separate type of accolades, the most winningest GM of all time as far as Super Bowls go has to be in the Bucks ring of honor. If he were to retire today, in my opinion – I think the Bucs should put him in the ring of honor. You mentioned the signing of Tom Brady. That alone nearly gets you there. And the fact that they won a Super Bowl and since being drafted or since uh, he started drafting in 2014 has really nailed on a lot of picks, a lot of quality players. Another guy we talked to today, Jamil Dean, drafting him, building up the defense and just putting all the pieces around a guy like Tom Brady, winning that Super Bowl. Jason Light, when he retires, whether it's a couple years or maybe another decade, 
definitely, I think, is going to be in the Ring of Honor. And another thing, it's not going to be the first item that you look at for Jason Light, but at least since I've been covering the Bucks for the past couple of years, I think the importance of second contracts and contract re-signings with players, there really hasn't been too many deals just off the top of my head that when he re-signs someone, you go, oh, man, like, I wish they didn't sign that guy or, like, they overpaid that's him That's much too money. Much. Or, like, Vita yeah. Bea, like, that signing. When you look at the defensive tackles and what they're getting now, I think Ed Oliver just recently re-signed. Yeah. Vita Vea is a steal. And, like, you know, the deals that he's had with Mike Evans, bringing yeah. back Chris Godwin, uh, Levante David getting him for less money. And how about the corners? You know, Carlton Davis, no one thought he was coming back, or at least that you were going to have to franchise tag him to bring him back. They didn't have to franchise tag Carlton Davis, and they got him for less money than if they would have franchise tagged him. Same thing with Jamel Dean. Yep. Jamel Dean was, uh, you know, long gone. And then all of a sudden, again, takes less money, comes back to Tampa Bay. And part of it has to do because he loves the state of Florida and, and being in this city. But, you know, Jason Light has to deserve some credit for that as well. Uh, another Hall of Fame moment for Jason Light was his speech that he had during the Super Bowl parade. He was like, this is the best effing team in the world and got everyone hyped up, everyone fired up. You could also say he got everyone energized while they were at the parade, which reminds me, of course, that the number one energy drink that you should be drinking and the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast is Celsius Energy Drinks. Make Celsius your Number one pick, go out and get a Celsius today. There's an assortment of flavors that you can get from the Oasis 5, Sparkling Lemon Lime, Sparkling Orange. Uh, you can go Pomegranate. There's a Cola flavored. Arctic Vibes, my personal favorite. Ton of flavors. You get what I'm saying. If you want to know where to find one, go to the Celsius store lo locator on their website. Punch in your address, and it will tell you the closest location where you can go find one at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, or your bodega. And then once you keep going to your bodega and you know you want more, start buying it in bulk. Get that variety pack. It's variety the spice of life. There's so many awesome flavors of Celsius. Why limit yourself to one? <coughs> Excuse me. Go to Amazon. Click on the subscribe and save. And have a pack of Celsius sent to your residence every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want it. We just want you drinking Celsius energy drinks because it is delicious. There's no sugar. Uh, no preservatives, none of those uh, crash or jitters that you get from uh, other energy drinks out there. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. As we said, practice was a little bit quicker today, a little more red zone work, um, some 11 on 11s, not too much 7 on 7s. Uh, there was a defensive player that kind of stood out to me and a guy that we haven't really spoken about in the best of lights. And I'm talking about the inside linebacker position. And no, I'm not talking about Devin White. Uh, I'm actually talking about KJ Britt. KJ Britt came to play today. And I don't want to say he's fighting for his life. He's obviously not. But he's fighting to hold on to that third inside linebacker position after Levante David and Devin White. Because obviously, Servasse Dennis came in with a bang with that pick yep. six on the first day. Of mini camp, but Servasi, that uh, sorry, um, KJ Britt had two pass breakups today, looking pretty good. Still not the fleetest of foot, but he made some plays today, and he should uh, get a shout out for it. 
definitely a big shout out. And that uh, pass breakup he had right at the line of scrimmage on yeah. Baker Mayfield, that was a key play. And he really got up there for a guy that maybe criticized for his athleticism. He jumped pretty high to get that one. And then there was another play near the end zone where he batted the ball away from, I believe it was Tanner Tula. And yeah. just kind of showing out for him, it's going to be a big training camp. Competing at that number three inside linebacker, of course, you have Servassier Dennis, Jeremy Banks, the undrafted free agent out of Tennessee, and then another guy and second-year player, J.J. Russell. Those four guys are competing for maybe one spot, so he's going to have to go out and make some plays, and he sure did today. Yeah, good point, Adam. There is more than you know one guy on this team, and they're they're <clears throat> vying for that last linebacker spot, I should say, and there was that battle last year with Ola Kunle, Fadu Kasi, who's now on the New England Patriots, and J.J. Russell. And Fadu Kasi won that job, and Russell went to the practice squad. But yeah, I mean, Banks was one of the most highly touted, undrafted free agents that really any team could find. He had some off-the-field stuff, but if, he, if that didn't occur, he probably would have got drafted. I haven't seen too much from Banks personally. There obviously is, as I keep saying, a long way to go in this but yeah they're probably only going to keep four maybe five this year because of the whole Devin white situation that's true but someone's going to be the odd man out and and kj Britt, he's had a good ride for a little bit but uh the going's going to get tough for him this year yeah i agree with that um i'm trying to think what else happened at practice today uh we obviously spoke to a couple of guys after starting with Todd Bowles. Uh, got a couple of cat, uh, chat uh, comments as well from people in the chat. Fabian wants to know, anyone notice that trash drops back, dropbacks look like Brady? I do want to say, yeah, now that this comment is up, there was a video posted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on their uh, the Twitter page today showing Kyle Trask. He was five for five and kind of the net drill that they do, kind of displaying yes. his accuracy. I thought that was interesting. We didn't really get to see the quarterbacks too much today, but he looked pretty good in that sequence. And after a rough uh, first day of practice, he bounced back the second day and things are trending upwards for him. Yeah, we should give Kyle Trask credit for that. He went from two interceptions and a dropped interception on Tuesday, did not have an interception on Wednesday and no interceptions on Thursday it wasn't beautiful by any means on Wednesday's practice even though he did not turn the ball over uh but that's something else I want to see as well is how you bounce back from a quote-unquote bad practice and Baker has yet to really have that yet we'll see what happens because Baker I think obviously is a way more emotional guy than Kyle Trask like if you're going to ask me between Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield who's able to shrug something off a little bit better i think it would i think you have to go with kyle trask he's just hmm. a little more easy going easy breezy which in this specific topic helps kyle trask i think at the end of the day demeanor personality wise i'd still rather go with baker mayfield but at least kyle showed that not too much is really going to you know mess with his head rub him the wrong way where Baker, we kind of have seen that before, where if things get a little difficult, then he kind of starts getting moody with the media and, you know, not necessarily with people in the locker room. But I, I do wonder what will happen if things start bouncing the other way for Baker 
will he be able to regroup or will it just keep unraveling in a practice? Like if he throws one interception, does another one come after? Or does he start getting a little chippy with the coaches or, or the players? I'm not predicting this. It's just something we got to see for ourselves because Kyle Trask, we've at least seen, has been uh, even keel the whole time, I yeah. think is the best way to say it. That's a great point. And kind of speaking on that, based on the circumstances that Kyle Trask has had so far in his NFL career from being a backup his first two seasons and uh, barely getting any game action, he's still grown and he still yeah. has a positive mindset. You've kind of seen it from some press conferences. He's growing as a person and as a leader. He's more of the laid back kind of guy compared to Baker Mayfield, especially, but just kind of seeing him evolve as a player and as a person, I think that's going to be a trend that we continue to see. Yeah, that's a really good observation. I'm, I'm very interested to see how that keeps going for uh, the two of them. There's obviously so many more passing attempts, practices, preseasons to go where we truly, truly can determine a winner. That's something Todd Bowles had talked about with, hey, if this is a competition, we can't determine it after three days when guys – haven't even put on the shoulder pads yet. So I, I understand why people want to anoint a starter already to get the most reps possible. I do think you can split it 50-50 for a while before naming a starter and then kind of go from there um, because you're practicing so much. Your mind is on football a ton. You're so much studying as well. I think whoever wins the job is going to put in enough time where – Going into week one against the Vikings, you're not going to go, ah, well, the quarterback wasn't prepared enough because he only had 1,000 snaps versus 1,500 snaps. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, when, once you get enough reps in practice at that point, it becomes so minuscule. And like splitting the reps, I feel like the Bucs are going to be doing that with the quarterbacks throughout training camp, the preseason, yeah. and it's kind of going to go down to the wire. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I don't think we'll see an announcement until after the third preseason game. And we'll also see how much they uh, divvy up the snaps in, in those games as well. Charles Scott says, Baker understands interpersonal dynamics, while Christopher Cole says, don't underestimate trash. So we see people on uh, both sides of it, as Clack 5 White says, I'm Team Trask, parentheses, the quiet storm for the job. <laughs> Very, very interesting. Um, we did speak to a couple of guys after practice. It was Todd Bowles, Kalijah Cansey, the Bucks' first-round pick defensive tackle, and Jamel Dean as well. We'll get to Kalijah Cansey. I'll play Todd Bowles first because it's – we haven't played Bowles that much this week. Um, you know, he's talked about some guys, not too much newsworthy, things like that. So we'll play him. Then we got to get to Jamel Dean because he had so many awesome <laughs> things to say that we got to get into. But first, let's hear from Coach Todd Balls, who just kind of gave his overview of the whole week, um, what he thought of the overall job done by the guys, what his message was to them during this brief period of time where there's not practice before everyone reports for training camp. So without further ado, Todd Balls. How the guys competed, communicated, and everything else that you wanted to see. It's more of a mental thing. It's just an extension of OTAs, really, with more meetings. So nothing's changed from that standpoint. But the learning process, we try to uh, finalize a few things that we needed to clean up, and I thought we got that done. 
we've got a good amount of the concepts installed, you know, as far as the mixing and matching and things we have to do, we'll get that done in training camp. Kind of hard without pads to really get the running game instilled, but we got the concepts done, so we're happy about that. Any message to the team as uh, everyone parts ways? Similar, come back in shape. Uh, injured guys get healthier and be ready to go. So the second part of that video, when Bowles is talking about the concepts and the installs, he was asked about the offense specifically. Because if you recall, about a month ago, Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator, said that not all the offense was installed yet. I don't think it is up until this point either. I know some people were concerned about the lack of deep shots down the field. But I keep saying, Adam, that the Bucks are going to take advantage of when you start creeping in for those short, deliberate passes, they're they're going to beat you deep on those plays. Do you have any concern yet about the lack of big plays down the field, or do you think it's going to come with time, just the way this offense is ran? I think it's going to be something that comes along in time. And right now, it's just kind of getting down the basics. They don't need to throw it down the field. I mean, a vertical route's a vertical route. There's not a lot of intricacy in that compared to the misdirection run plays and kind of the the film analysis that Josh Capo did and breaking down how players move before the snap and all that is really key so right now just kind of getting that down the short passes to the sidelines stuff like that but the vertical plays are there the players they have the players in the building and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin yes. so don't doubt that but right now just kind of getting down some of the basic things, as Todd Bowles alluded to, with like the concepts and things of that nature. But don't doubt the the big plays because they'll be there. They have the plays when they want to go to it. They just don't have to go to it every single time. And I like this comment by Wayne Hackinson. Play action will be big. Yes, it will be because they will actually run play action, which will be very nice to see. But uh, we did talk about or mention a video from Jamel Dean it was awesome. We have a couple of different ones. We'll start out with Jamel just talking about himself, uh, how he feels. He's got a lot of big goals this year uh, for himself. He's still improving. Don't you worry, Bucks fans, about the fact that he just signed this new deal when he's got a lot of money coming his way. He's still going to be just as hungry as he was when he was you know, trying to become a starter on this team in the first place. He was also asked about whether or not he's the fastest player Ooh. on this team. And I won't give away his answer. We'll let him tell it to all the Peter people. You know, I'm always fast, so, <laughs> so you know, I'm just trying to, like, speed up my game probably. So, I'm seeing the game better. I'm more confident now. So, I'm just looking forward to how the season goes. Jamel, are you still the fastest Buccaneer? Oh, well, definitely, man. <laughs> Nobody's not beating you on the team. Is there anybody close? Trey Palmer's got a fast 40 yeah. time. Is there any newcomers that have... Oh, no, man. It's kind of hard to see people from behind when they're behind me, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I still believe that there's still left to accomplish, so I'm not I'm not going to hold back. I'm still going to improve my game because I still want to get Pro Bowl and all sort under my belt. So that's like my motivation to keep going and get better. Just adds a little tweak so nobody have a B on this. Yeah. Is there going to be another competition this year between the corners and the safeties for who gets more interceptions? This oh, season? most definitely. Like, I might even start that up like right now. <laughs> <laughs> Great interview with the Mel, uh, Jamel Dean. Uh, funny, but very insightful as well. That's a great line. It's kind of hard to see everybody else when, you know, when they're behind me. Just an awesome line. I do want to focus on what he said about his goals to be a Pro Bowl player. And 
an all-pro because we looked it up before together. He was ranked 10th among pro football focus uh, among corners in the league with a grade of 77.9. He has the speed, obviously, um, a really good cover corner. I think really what's just stopping him like it stopped the entire Bucks defense is just the lack of turnovers and interceptions. He had two last season, and it came in week two against the New Orleans Saints, and that was about it. I think if you see those interception numbers go up, because Jamel Dean got a lot of hype this offseason about being one of the most highly coveted free agents available. He was getting written up on NFL Network and PFF and all these other different websites. He was like the best or second best corner available. So if he's getting hyped then, it can grow a lot more if he can improve on his game. And I think the number one department where there is that room for improvement it has to be getting his hands on the football. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned last season by PFF, he was ranked as the number 10 corner. They recently did the 2023 list by position and ranked him again as the number 10 corner. But he has the size, the speed, everything is there. And playing a Todd Bowles system, he can really flourish this season. After the New Orleans Saints game, the defense as a whole, the takeaways just weren't there. Uh there was an interception the following week by Logan Ryan. And then it was just kind of a dry spell for yeah. the unit as a whole. But there's no reason to think that Jamel Dean can't get five interceptions this season. He has the talent to do so. And it's, it's all about taking chances and making the most of the opportunities when the defense gets them. And that's something that he also alluded to and saying, sometimes you just got to shoot your shot and you got to take a chance every now and then. And I think that'll be crucial to getting more interceptions. Yeah, that's something I really want to see the Bucs secondary do a lot more this year is jump the gun a little bit, you know? And if that comes out the back to hurt them, whether it's a play action or a pump fake, I can live with that because for every five turnovers you get, if you get burned one time, you'll take that trade off every single time. And I think this secondary group, they've shown that they can cover. You know, a lot of times when they let up the underneath things, that's by design. That's by the defense that Todd Bowles called. But they can stick with guys with man-to-man. We've seen it with Carlton Davis. I do trust Jamel Dean to at least come down with the football a little bit more than um, Carlton Davis. But, yeah, you got to take some of those risks. I think you saw it again. If We're just talking about Jamel Dean interceptions when he got that pick six on Aaron Rodgers back in 2020. That was a short route. Like, the receiver was just standing there by the sideline. And Jamel Dean sprinted up. I, I bet he took a little bit of a chance in that situation to try to make the big play, and it paid off there. So I really want to see that from Jamel this year. Now, we asked Jamel about another guy in uh, Zion McCollum who's going into his second year and, you know, kind of what we can expect from him. And this was Jamel Dean's response about Zion McCollum. Any improvement that you've seen from Zion McCollum in his second year this year? No, you can see that you can tell that he's been here for. You, you can tell he got a season under his belt. Okay, he's more confident out there. He knows what he's doing. He's trying out different techniques, so he can see he see what works for him and what's not. So you know that's like the next step in like in your career, like showing like you're growing. Yeah, I, I think the common theme you heard Todd Bowles say it. You heard Jamel Dean just say it here: comfortability, being comfortable. That's what Zion McCollum has done so far during Bucks minicamp. He had a big, big pass breakup in yesterday's practice. I think just uh, the more reps, the, the better he'll be. And 
he could be a, a big factor in the Bucks secondary this year, even either as the top backup or even getting playing time if something were to happen to Carlton or Jamel. Yeah, definitely. And kind of last season with Sean Murphy bunting, kind of filling that role of the number three corner. That's something Zion McCollum can ease himself into this season. Kind of the same thing with Dean. All the traits are there. Intangibles, the speed, the athleticism, the height. Zion McCollum can make plays, but last year was kind of the typical rookie struggles. Not every rookie's going to hit the ground running like Tariq Wollin, for example. But yeah. Zion McCollum just has to improve on his tackling, getting up to game speed, and just being more comfortable in the system. But there should be a big second-year leap for him. That hurts Zion more than anything else is that Wollin was drafted right around him and just yeah. had this unreal season. That doesn't happen all the time, but unfortunately Zion's going to be the player that's linked to him. The biggest difference I want to see for McCollum going into year two, he better be ready to wrap up and tackle because he missed yeah. a lot of tackles last year. And sure, maybe some of it's inexperienced, but at some point, especially at defensive back, you can either tackle and you want to be physical or you just flat out can't. Me uh, Sador has a has a good point. Rondé struggled for a few years. Yeah, he he struggled his first year to the point that the Bucks drafted another corner. Todd uh, Todd Pulse. Scott Reynolds has told this I think story. That was Brian Kelly, right? Yeah, Brian Kelly. Uh, to, uh, I don't know why I keep saying Todd Pulse. Uh, Scott Reynolds has told this story before about you know that th the jury was still out on Rondé. Clearly, turned out for the better. But Zion needs to be able to tackle because it was bad last year more than his than his coverage yeah i think it was the ravens game in particular when he first like got playing time and just i think demarcus robinson the receiver for the ravens got upfield a lot just because zion couldn't wrap up and make the play yeah it was that and he got burned a lot in the carolina game when they were in mm -hmm. carolina um that one did not Bode very well for Zion McCollum, but it's a new season. Obviously, uh, a lot of different changes, and we'll see. I, I'm a little curious because, like, Todd Bowles and Jason Light had said they have a couple in-house options at the nickel corner, the slot position, and they mentioned Dee Delaney, but they also talked about Zion McCollum. But so far, we haven't really seen Zion in the slot. And I'm curious if they just want him to only focus on outside corner or they kind of feel good about some of the other guys they already have in the slot, but that's uh, something else I was paying attention to during practice this week. Yeah. And Josh Hayes in particular, one candidate to maybe be that nickel corner has been lining up at safety. And today he was at cornerback. So just kind of the versatility for him and lining up in between both of those positions. He's one guy, another uh, player that stood out, undrafted free agent Keenan Isaac. Yes, I was who, just going to bring him up, but you did, so thank you. Yeah, Todd Bowles uh, talked about him today, I believe, and a 6'2 corner out of Alabama State, and his skills, kind of looking at his scouting report, is in press man and zone coverage and kind of that cover three. So it's easy to see why Todd Bowles would like a player like that. That's a big focus for the defensive backs, playing up to the receivers, and also being able to do drops. So... Could be a dark horse candidate. Could be. The only thing you could really tell with like, there's only so many numbers remaining when they got to Isaac. Cause he's wearing number 16 as a corner, yeah. which you never 
ever, ever see. So if he makes a team, I would imagine he'll get a different number. But yeah, Bucks fans, that is a name to remember for a training camp coming up because they had it at times when the starters weren't in. And there's a lot of times, especially today, uh, Jamel and and uh, Carlton Davis, they were just running on a separate field, just getting their conditioning in. And then it was Isaac and, and Zion McCollum uh, doing their thing on the outside as corners. So uh, that's a name to pay attention to for training camp when it comes through. One more topic that Jamel Dean talked about that he's very excited about are the creamsicle jerseys. And I'll let him explain. You know, I'm so excited to wear those, man. I've been waiting for years to wear them. I'm like, man, I hope I'm on the team. Make ready jerseys. So, you know, it's exciting because once I get it, I'm keeping it forever. Like, no jersey swap. I'm not jersey swap. Rare piece of idol right now. Like, we went like almost a decade without without them. So now when you see them bring it back, you're like, oh, we miss seeing these. And they got to keep them because you don't know when the next time we're going to bring them back. No jersey swaps. Don't nope. even try. Don't even ask after the game. He's not giving it away. <laughs> I like that point, though. Like, I, I'm sure there are times where it's like, hey, you want to do a jersey swap? But in the back of your head, you're like, no, no, not really. I don't want to, but I'll look like a jerk if I if I don't. So, like, go ahead and do it anyway. But I think it's understandable for the creamsicle or really any alternate jersey. You, you got to keep that one. Yeah, that's going to look really nice in a display. And it'll be interesting when they go on sale and kind of the team store too. I was wondering that when um, when it's going to be made available to to the public. I always find it interesting, and I'm a Jersey aficionado, especially for basketball. But like, if it's a team I root for, I find the idea of Jersey buying very interesting because sure, you can go after the star player, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are times I would do that as well. But you know, like a billion people are going to have that. Excuse me, I thought I was going to sneeze. What I like going for is like the guy that everyone likes that might not be the star, but everyone kind of like enjoys that player that you have. But you also have to balance. You don't want to get a player that either is a veteran guy that's a star, but he's only going to be there for two seasons and then the jersey's not in rotation. Or a player that you're not sure is going to be there long term. It could go somewhere for free agency. Like right now, if you want to get a jersey, it'd be really risky if you wanted to get a Devin White jersey because he could right. be on the team, you know, in a season from now. Or football is different with like the contracts and stuff. But I'm trying to think of another a guy like example. Dean would would be a great player. Or uh, Jamel Dean would Winfield. be a great jersey to have right now. Or like Ryan Jensen a couple of years ago would be great. I don't know if I would want a Ryan Jensen jersey right now because after this next contract, who knows if he'll be back. Now, Tristan Wirfs would be an excellent jersey to have because I think he's going to be a long-term player. And same thing with, like, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They're getting towards the end of their uh, Even Rashad White. Right, but Rashad White, again, love him, friend of the program. We don't know after his immediate contract if he'll be back next season. Do you want to get that jersey where it's only going to be for three years? If he's not back, then that jersey's kind of done. Uh, Callie yeah. says, I'm buying Mike Evans' jersey, even if a billion people have it. Mike is very different, obviously, because he's going to be in the ring of honor. He's an all-time Buccaneer. Like, Mike Evans, you can wear even when he's long retired because he's one of the greatest Bucks of all time. It'd be like right now if a Buck goes to a game and you see, or a Bucks fans go to a game and you see someone wearing a Sap jersey or Brooks or a Ronde. Like, they're, if it's an all time player, you can wear it whenever. I think that's a fair rule. 
Yeah, or this one, Cody Malk. That'd yeah. be a fun one. Yeah, rookies are good too. There's just always the risk of, well, if they don't pan out as a rookie, then you know it's not a jersey you want to see all the time. But of course, when you're rocking number sixty nine, it's a it's a jersey that uh, everyone is you know is a fan of for <laughs> because of uh, you know the player itself. So definitely, yeah. definitely something to ponder. Of course, another thing that you always got to be pondering is what bets am I going to make when I'm watching a sporting event? And if you're going to be betting, make sure you're doing it over at mybookie.ag. Of course, they got one of the newest things going on right now. They're MyBookie Casino. They're online casino. We've all been there before. A weekend trip to the casino canceled because real life came calling. Well, MyBookie's new and approved online casino is here to change the game. Dive into a truly realistic casino experience featuring the latest in slots, progressive jackpots, and live dealer action, all from the comfort of your own home. Take advantage of weekly blackjack tournaments and a brand new collection of high-end games for a chance at real cash rewards. The MyBookie Casino provides a Las Vegas experience when the action's in your hands, and the best part is you don't even need to wear your pants, even though I would recommend still doing so. Your adventure at the MyBookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus using promo code PEWTER. That's P-E-W-T-E-R. And to secure yourself a sweet deposit bonus. And that's not all, because their revamped loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards, including free spins, cashback offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. The more you play, the more you win. So play anytime, anywhere with the MyBookie Casino over at mybookie.ag. You could also win up to $1,000 with your first deposit bonus using the promo code Pewter. And even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. Once again, use that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and start using mybookie.ag today. Still a lot of sports going on as well. Baseball's in full swing. Mets beat the Yankees last night, which was awesome. Rays won this afternoon. You got the U.S. Open going on. There's always UFC fights. The U.S. men's soccer team plays later tonight. The Women's World Cup is this summer. So a lot more things to bet on than uh, you would typically think so. So uh, make sure you do that. We're in the prime summer months now. So now it's just going to be a lot of baseball every day. Uh, Of the four major sports, I believe baseball is the only one for like three months now. That is true. That is true. Clack Five White says, I want any white jersey. Sign me up. Well, you got two options for it. So there you go. We also spoke to Kalijah Cansey today. And, um, you know, just want to get his thoughts on first mini camp, what he's learning, playing next to Bita Vea as well, how that's gone. And, uh, you know, he hasn't gotten to explore Tampa too much just yet, but he does have plans when he has a little bit of downtime. So let's hear from first-round draft pick defensive tackle, Kalijah Kansi. Well, I think I learned a, a lot of football schematically, uh, just understanding uh, the, the new defense for me, uh, coming from the 4-3 in college, the 3-4 right. here, and just a lot of movements and stuff like that. So it's just understanding, understanding football. Um, I love it. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, a lot of movement, uh, which I'm good at, uh, with speed in the interior, which is what we want. So I think that's a, it's a great thing. I love it. Yeah, Vita, Vita's doing a great job of teaching me the game, 
Uh, he's helping me out a lot, and he's going to draw a lot of attention, which which will help me out and the defense out as well. I want to be able to, to stay in shape, come back ready to go, and, and wherever the, the team needs me, I want to be able to provide. Have you been able to explore Tampa at all since you moved here or anything you really want to do now moving to Florida? I actually didn't explore Tampa as much, but I'm definitely going to go to like the, the theme parks, the water parks, and stuff like that, having fun. So if you're going to Bush Gardens over the next month, keep an eye out. You may see Kalijah Kansi on uh, some of the big rides over there. We are talking about it at practice today uh, with uh, with Ruth the Truth. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce her last name. I apologize to, to Ruth. I believe it's Kaguias or Kagayas. Either way, Ruth the Truth, check her out on uh, on social media. She does a lot of Bucks content as well. But she was saying one of the rides to the um, to Bush Gardens. I wasn't crazy familiar with it. I don't know if anyone in the chat knows either. Yeah, it was something uh, like it goes really fast. Is it? There's one called the Cheetah, I think. Mm. But yeah. Anyway, Callie Buck says, "Why are we saying Blankenship has range two of five from fifty plus? He's fully healthy this year, and I think that's the biggest difference with respect the Rex. Oh, wait, respect." The specs? specs. Yeah, yep. respect the specs. And he has more range than Ryan Suckup. Like, Suckup and just being younger than Suckup, close. too. A lot younger, too. So, um, obviously, could potentially have him for a long career. Because, yeah, he was only drafted a couple of years ago. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we missed from practice over the past couple of days. Uh, some of the guys that really stood out, I would say Servasier Dennis, without question, started off with a bang. I uh, really like what I saw from Rakeem Jarrett. I mentioned him a little bit before as a wide receiver. Quarterback-wise, if I was going to give the edge to one over the other, Baker Mayfield, I, I would give him the nod right now. JTS had a sack. Uh, the undrafted rookie free agents... I think all had their moments. Christian Izian had an interception. Kayvon Merriweather had a sack on a blitz. Uh, <laughs> Shaggy saying, I've got Ooh. more range than suck up. Damn. Ricochet shot to a guy that helped yeah. the Super Bowl. Scored the most points that season, more than anyone else. <laughs> but Adam, I don't know if there's anyone else that particularly stood out to you. I know you were out there today and it was shorter, but uh, any final news and notes from? I would say based on today, KJ Britt stood out, David Moore, as we mentioned earlier. And I agree with you. If we had to pick a quarterback, got to go with Baker Mayfield over Kyle Trask. Although Trask did improve after his first day of practice and looked a lot more comfortable out there. Uh, one other point I was going to make on Kalijah Kansi kind of talking today. Yeah. And the look at the defensive line. So it's going to be Logan Hall, Vita Vea, and Kalijah Kansi which leaves Greg Gaines, the free agent signing, as kind of like that fill-in uh, nacho kind of role. And, and being a bigger defensive lineman than Greg Gaines, the Bucks had a lot of success last year when they had Vita Vea out there with Akeem Hicks. So kind of interesting, and I wonder how much Greg Gaines will play like during games. Yeah, I think he'll definitely be... I mean, and they the Bucks rotate the D-line so much that he's going to get snaps. It's not like he's going to be ice cold on the sideline, which is still impossible because you're playing in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. I think he's going to be big with goal line. Like, I could, I could see early on Kalisha Kansi not being part of, um, you know, of that goal line package just because he's a little bit on the smaller side, known for his speed, where 
height wise gains is small, but weight wise and, and muscle wise, he's definitely uh, bigger on that end. So I, I think you'll see a lot of benefits from him at goal line and maybe being a first round, a first down type of player immediately stopping that run bucks kind of getting back to their bread and butter of preventing the run and then putting teams in third and long. So you can get some of those quicker pass rushers on the field. I think that's early on. That's how I would uh, plan for the bucks to use Greg Gaines. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, Wayne has a comment here about Vita only playing 60% of the snaps. So, Greg Gaines will also get a lot of playing time when Vita is not on the field getting double teams. And that's another element that Kalijah Kansi kind of spoke about and Vita Vea teaching him and just understanding how to be a pro. And I think that'll be crucial uh, for him and another young edge rusher and Yaya Diaby. And someone that he looks the part out there during minicamp and OTAs. He looks gigantic out there. Yeah. I'm very excited for Yaya. I think... After the draft, I, I was saying that Servasier Dennis was like the number one guy that I'm probably most excited for in the draft class. And Yaya was the guy that I said, uh, this is a you know, bit of a stretch. I think you could have got him around later, but the Bucs didn't have that fourth round pick. Now seeing them up close and in person, I'm still excited about Servasier Dennis, don't get me wrong. But Yaya might be the guy that I'm now most excited for, especially depending on what happens at outside linebacker with um you know, everything going on with Shaq Barrett and, you know, will JTS take that next step, which we talked about a lot on yesterday's show. But there's a big opening for Yaya Diaby to really, like, come in and and make a huge, huge impact on this Bucks pass rush. Oh, definitely. And that's a great point with Shaq Barrett. You don't know the status of him. Yeah. Uh, obviously, coming off that Achilles injury. But besides JTS... Who's going to be the next edge rusher? Yaya Diaby has a chance to maybe step into that role opposite him. And then also you have Anthony Nelson coming back. But as a rotational guy at the beginning, as he learns and kind of grows throughout the season, he has a chance to make some big plays. And him and JTS, those are two really physical guys with that look imposing and intimidating off the yeah. edge. Yeah, they are. You even said you thought JTS got even bigger this year. And, of course, Logan Hall got bigger as well. I know he's on the interior defensive line. But, yeah, uh, there's a lot of room for improvement for this Bucks pass rush. And uh, it's going to start with a lot of the guys we just mentioned, including Yaya. I think we'll see a little bit more of his progression in the middle of the season, maybe after that bye week uh, going into the second month of the year. But it's going to be a lot of exciting stuff. We have a lot of exciting content planned, both on our YouTube and on PeterReport.com. So make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at PeterReport. And of course, our YouTube channel is PeterReportTV. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a ton of stuff out from mandatory minicamp press conferences, some highlight videos of practice that we're able to uh allow to film for a certain uh, period of time so ton of content there uh, like i said please like and subscribe and a lot more coming up but that's going to do it for us on today's show for adam slavon i'm matt matara saying thank you everybody for watching have a great weekend and we will see you next week for another edition of the pewter report podcast out out